Well, this morning we continue in our new series, Gratitude, Expressing Thanksgiving. And if you missed last week, you probably didn't get uh, the 25-day challenge cards. And what I'm doing is I'm challenging each person to get a stack of these cards, 25 of them. And every day, I want you to write down just one thing, one thing that you're grateful for in that day. Get a, get a basket, get a jar, get a cup, whatever, drop the cards in. And, and then at the end of the 25-day challenge, go back and reflect uh, on the blessings in your life. And if you didn't get these after service, as you head out, there's the, the ushers will be there with a bucket and you can, you can grab these 25-day challenge cards. Also, uh, we still got, hey, invite cards. They're at the door. And so think of somebody that you can invite to church. And as we enter this holiday season, it's always a time where, where people are looking for uh, an opportunity to go to church. And so grab some invite cards. Well, last week, as we launched our series, I did week one talking about thanksgiving to God, that thanksgiving should always start with God first because he's done so much for us. Uh, today, part two, we're gonna jump into thankful for life. Just thankful for life. Uh, I have a new dear friend here, Terry Kane, that's with me on stage. And uh, Terry's a great man. Uh, Terry, uh, Terry and I have been meeting once, uh, once a month and, uh, for coffee and, and some other guys and just kind of talking about life, talking about God, talking about journaling and thoughts and, uh, and so just, just getting to know each other. And Terry began to tell me his story uh, a, a few months ago and I just was like, man, this is going to fit in uh, with the sermon that I'm doing and so Terry, so glad that you're here today and thank you for just the, the willingness to jump in and share your story uh, with the church this morning. And so, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, your story starts uh, about over a year ago, a year and a few months ago, that you, you kind of hit the wall. You hit a tragedy, a storm that really just turned your world upside down. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so my, my memory is going to be a little bit fuzzy. My wife is here. She could fill in the details after the service if you want. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it started with uh, a fall in the night, hitting my chest, having some uh, uh, rib, rib pain, a fever, and then it kind of goes blank for me. <clears throat> I overheard a conversation between my wife and my son, John, and uh, kind of frantic, uh, COVID was raging, it was August the, the 20th, and, and, uh, and then I w woke up in, in ER uh, at Chandler uh, Dignity Health, and um, uh, my waking up was I was uh, in a hospital gown, and I was getting an ultrasound with cold jelly on my, on my <laughs> stomach, and I, was, I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, and then um, it went blank again. And um, what had happened was I had respiratory failure. And uh, I then became intubated. I think we have a picture of what I looked like at that time. But um, the, uh, I, was, I was intubated for four, to, four days or so. They expected me to, to uh, breathe on my own at some point. But on the eighth day... I was still on life support, um, and they, uh, they prepared my wife for me to pass. Uh, and as it turns out, the diagnosis was I'd had three spinal taps while I was uh, intubated, and they found I had uh, been bitten by a mosquito and had West Nile virus. Yeah. So we're at that stage, mm -hmm. and 
um, in respiratory failure. And um, on the ninth day, they, when they pulled the tube, I breathed on my own. So wow. I'm thankful to be here. Um, I mean, it, there was a lot that happened because you, you lost motor skills, speech. I mean, you had to go through a whole year. Tell us a little bit about the journey uh, from, from that nine days onwards. Yeah, so um, I got moved uh, after that nine days to a rehab center uh, and got to meet some new people trying to help me figure out life. Um, one was a respiratory ther uh, therapist. Her name is Dina Roach. She's actually here today. She's, this is her church. So we, so. I think we got a photo, right? Okay, we got I a photo. So. Go to the next, next, next photo. Next photo. There she is on, the, yeah. on my right. And uh, she befriended me and uh, just was, a, was breathing life into me, literally, literally getting me my lungs back. But I also lost all my motor skills, as, as you said. I, I couldn't walk. I, I couldn't talk. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't actually hold a phone. Uh, uh, and I think one of the most embarrassing things when, I, when we did get home eventually uh, was asking my wife, would you just please open this yogurt for me? Because I, I didn't have the strength to pull that open. And I was thinking when we had communion this morning, I wouldn't have been able to open that communion. Yeah. And uh, that was embarrassing and humbling as well. Yeah. So the journey... Um, was uh, was long, but but there's there's something a magic that happened in that there were so many prayers that went for me, many from this church, um, and uh, the the prayers and the cards and the texts that came began to be part of the life of 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 us living every day. Yeah. Food came to our house. Um, and, and again, from some people from this church as well. We were just blessed with a surrounding of prayer and family. And there, there were many, you're telling me, there were many in your community that some that didn't even believe in Jesus. Right. Christians that just, you know, they would see you walking by, right? As right. You were. So, you know, uh, the, one of the main questions that we have really is where was God in all this for me? Mm. And... God showed up in my wife uh, in, in an incredible way, in my son um, in an incredible way, in my sister who's here today as well. Daily, either reading or singing over me, mm. reading scripture, playing some James Taylor for me, <laughs> you know, anything that was going to lift my spirit because I, I, I was kind of in this uh, what happened mm. mode and... Uh, I guess one of the funny things that happened that we, we joke about when we, when we got home, we had five days of people that spent, uh, caregivers that spent the night because mm -hmm. Becky's not strong enough to, to lift me mm -hmm. and I wasn't able to do much on my own at that point. So these people came in, they spent the night on our couch and they had a little, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, a microphone where I had a microphone where they, they could hear me if I needed help. And one, the next morning after the first night, uh, one of the caregivers told my, my, my wife, she said, uh, um, you know, I was really surprised when you got in bed with your father. <laughs> so I guess I looked that old at that time, one of those pictures at that time. But, uh, you know, and that's also a tribute to how young she looks. So. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, there we go. 
Oh, that's so good. I know when uh, this week when we were talking and you mentioned a little bit the question, a lot of times people ask this question and they go through a storm, a trial, a test, or, or pain, or heartache, or a bad report is, where are you, God? And uh, I know it took you, like I said, it took you a while to learn to speak again, it took a while to learn to walk again, uh, and it took a while to write. But, yeah. but you showed me something, one of the first things that, as you could begin to write, one of the first things you wrote, in fact, we have that up there, um, if we could put that up, and, yeah. and, and uh, I'll read that. This is kind of what you wrote. You said, worthy, wonderful counselor, mighty God, pray, Prince of Peace, Lord of all, where have you been? My heart asks, where or oh, where? When I was hurting, when I was alone, where have you gone? That's one of the things you wrote in your journal yeah. to the Lord. Yeah, so... Um, I didn't, re when we started talking about me speaking about my story this morning, uh, I found that, that piece. And uh, my first journal, I fill, I fill about three of these journals every year. And my first journal entry last year uh, after the, the uh, diagnosis was December the 13th. Mm -hmm. And this, this, what he just read is something that, I must have done about that time because if you look at the 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 handwriting, I was it was pretty struggling. Well, I so I must have been down at that time. I must have really been questioning because that's kind of what I do in my journals is just say, "Okay, God, I don't know what's going on now," or I thank I thank Him for whatever is going on now, and I need to be doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but my wife would be the first to say that she didn't. She didn't think I was somebody that, uh, that had a personality that was prone to depression or anything like that. And so that was an indication that I was down. Mm. And so the real question, I mean, we're, we're looking for the answer. Where is mm. God? And I already said something about my family, uh, praying scripture and the prayers of the people. But the community was huge. We would, we would drive into our community and, and things had changed. We felt covered in, in, in care. Um, and like, like Charlton said, many, many people are not believers. And so I'd be walking first with a, a walker with, a, uh, with like two wheels on it and, and somebody would stop me and it wouldn't be hard because I wasn't going very fast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And they, they would tell me how encouraged they were, and we'd both get tears in, in, in our eyes. Uh, and, and uh, you know, just as an example of God's love, someone just sharing their heart. And I don't know these people. Mm. I do now. I uh, but that was happening almost every day uh, during, I'm going to say, November and December. And then I started walking faster, and then I started with a, with a walker that had four wheels, which I kind of overdid, by the way. Uh, but at any rate, um, God was in everything. Mm. God was in the meals that people brought. Okay. It's coming. Mm. <laughs> and in every breath. Man. Every breath that I breathe, when we wake up in the morning and we recognize we have a, a father who did what he did, <laughs> whose loving thoughts for us are more than the grains of sand. 
<laughs> Beautiful. I can't believe we're trying to do this again. <laughs> Oh, so beautiful. Uh, you shared with me a passage. I know we didn't read this in the first service. Isaiah 35, verses 3 and 4 in the message. Yes. Translation is the kind of passage the Lord gave to you. Yeah, that um, was recent. It was Yeah, wonderful. I think we have it on the screens, Isaiah 35. Yeah, so look at the, at the first phrase, energized limp hands. That was me. Strengthen the rubbery knees. That was me. Tell fearful souls to take heart, take courage. I think there's more. Yeah. Next slide. Here. And so where is God? He is right here. And he's also coming. He's on his way to put things right and redress all wrongs. Yeah. He will save you. Amen. Yeah. You're awesome, Terry. I so appreciate you, my brother. Can I read one more thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I've been journaling for about 20 years, and I found this, this journal that was the last entry before I went into the hospital. And uh, I often... Not, not as often as I'd like, but periodically I will draw an L at the end of my, my, my prayer and it means listen and then write down what you think God is saying to you. And I did it in, on that day on the 16th of August. So it's the last journal entry before uh, the episode. And it's, this would be God speaking to me. It says, I love you with an everlasting love. I sing over you, and I delight when you sing with me. Each day, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Each day is a song. Sing it. Beautiful, sir. Thank you. One of the things, uh, I'll never forget the day after we had coffee and spoke about journaling and life and coaching and all kinds of things. We were outside and going our separate ways, and I said, hey, Terry, what are you up to today? And with excitement, he said, I'm going to get on my bicycle and go for a ride. And I kind of thought, he's really passionate about riding his bike. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, Charlton, I have such a new appreciation for being able to get on a bicycle and cycle. I did it every day, never appreciated it. You know, sometimes that's how we live life. We're running from one thing to the next thing. Go, 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 and we're just missing out on the blessings of life. You know, James chapter four, James writes and says, life is but a vapor. He says, life, life on earth is but a vapor, it's short. It's like a breath in a sense. Today, we're going to talk about God's breath and life. I'm going to take you on a journey in the next 12 minutes. 
including communion. And then we're going to take a moment to just reflect and to sit. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So important as I lay the foundation today that it was God who formed man, and it was God who breathed life into man. We were not created to do life apart from God. In fact, if you go and study the Hebrew for the word breath here, it's the Hebrew word ruach. Ruach. Ruach is translated as wind or breath. In the, in the lexicon, it also states that ruach in Strong's 7307, it implies a power that is within the breath and the wind, which is connected to the name Yahweh. The Holy Spirit is the power emanating from Yahweh, the heavenly Father. It is Yahweh's power that puts all things, God's power that puts all things into motion. It is Yahweh's, God's power through his ruach, his breath, that breathes life into his creation and makes things live. Interesting, when God made man, he ruached, he breathed, he, he breathed his spirit, the Holy Spirit, into man. We were created to live with the Spirit of God. But we know what happened is that Adam and Eve sinned and man was kicked out of the garden. And Paul writes in Romans 15 that through one man's sin, sin entered the world and through sin, death. And that every single one of us were born with a sin nature, that we all sin and we all miss the mark of God. Every single one of us. And through that sin, there was a separation from God. And through the Old Testament, you can see the Spirit of God resting on Certain individuals, prophets, King David, people throughout the Old Testament, where the Spirit of God sat upon them, the breath was not in them. You see, man had physical breath, but was spiritually dead to God. That's why Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death. The word death there means separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What's that verse saying? Because of sin, that sin entered humanity and the world, the reality is that there's a judgment for sin. And because God is a holy God and, and, and we're sinners, that we don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve his breath in our being because of sin. But it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you about how Jesus came to set captives free. Jesus came to heal the sick. Jesus came to open blind eyes. And I spoke about how there's more for you than against you and how Jesus wants to just not physically, but spiritually open our eyes and make us aware of this awesome God that we serve. But Jesus said something great in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said this, he says, but the thief, there's an enemy in life. 
The thief does what? He does not come except to steal. And to do what? And to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said this, I have come, what? So that you can have life. And life what? And have it more abundantly. Jesus literally said, there's an enemy out there that wants to steal this life that you can receive from God. He's distracting you. He's testing you. He wants you to turn away from God. But Jesus said, I came to do what? To give you life. God life, life through. It's interesting in that verse, we're to know two things. Number one is that true life is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11 says, God put eternity in the hearts of, man, the hearts of, of mankind that no one can understand. In a sense, he's saying this, that inside of us, there's an emptiness, a void, a seeking that there must be more to life. And the only answer to that is what Jesus said. I am the life. I am the truth. I am the way is what Jesus said. You can fill that void with all kinds of things, but it's temporary, money, success, fame. Things of this world, you can try and put that in that hole, but it won't fill it. Only Jesus can. And Jesus said, I came, I'm the one, life is found in me. And then he said, I came to do what? To give you life abundantly. That no matter what you go through, storms, trials, difficulties, that you can still enjoy life. We just heard Terry telling us that in the midst of the pain, he noticed God through his wife, through his son, through his neighbors. You can't have life. But then Jesus went on in Matthew Chapter 26, he's with his disciples. It's the Last Supper. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And he's telling them all about this, that I need to go. I need to, I need to go and pay the price, the penalty of sin, because I, I need to pay the penalty for humanity so humanity can be forgiven. Why? Because you and I can never be good enough, spiritual enough, smart enough, generous enough to ever earn salvation because we're always gonna have a sinful side. But God so loved us in John 3, 16 that he sent Jesus, fully man, fully God, perfect, the lamb without spot or blemish to take the sin of humanity, your sin, my sin on the cross. And he says this to his disciples, and you can right now get the communion elements ready if you have them. And as they were eating, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to to, to the disciples and said, take it, eat, this is my body. What Jesus was doing is he's taking the bread. He said this, that my body is gonna be beaten and bruised. That my body's gonna hang on a cross. That I am, that I am the, lamb, the lamb that everybody in the Old Testament prophesied about. That I am him, the savior, the Messiah, the shepherd. He said, my body be broken for you. Partake of the bread. And then verse 27, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. You see, in the Old Testament, they would have to have sacrifices. And you know what sacrifices, if you simply wanna understand it without going too deep, it was literally this. You would literally take a dove, a turtle dove or a lamb or something and say, bring it to, to, to the temple and this would be sacrificed. And in a sense, you were literally saying that this dove or, or this, whatever you could afford, you were literally saying, this animal is taking my place. Because sin required death. Sin required death. 
In the Old Testament, the, the blood of animals, you know what it did? It didn't remove. It didn't have the power to remove your sin. It covered your sin. But Jesus here is saying, my blood, once and for all, is going to pay the price. It's going to be put on the mercy seat before God. And my blood is not going to cover your sin. It will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. That if you put your faith in me, my blood covers your life. It removes the guilt, the penalty, the shame. It's totally gone. It's like it never happened. And you call on me, God, forgive me. It's removed from your life. Why? Because the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus was shared for you so that you could be restored to relationship, partake of the juice. Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is on the cross. In verse 50, it says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He gave up his breath. In verse 51, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. As Jesus gave up his spirit, his last breath, the veil in the temple, top to bottom, God removed the veil saying, no more, no longer is it only the priest that can come to me. Anybody who puts their faith in my son Jesus is now forgiven and can now come into my presence. And that's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God doesn't dwell in buildings? Because of what Jesus did, because of his blood removing our sins, we now become righteous and holy, not in our works or in our efforts, but in our faith in Jesus. And then because of that, our lives are washed clean. And now Paul says, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, God wants relationship. God wants to be in your life. He's, he's not upon you. He's now in you. And listen to what Jesus does. He, he, he then is resurrected on the third day. And in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, In the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be with you. The disciples were afraid. Are they going to kill us? They killed out Jesus. Are they going to kill us? They're hiding in a room, and Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, and he sighed. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus literally said, look, it's me. He says, look what I've done for you. Look at the scars. Look at the scars. I told you I would do it. I told you I'd pay the price for your sins. I told you that I'd bring, I came to bring you, give you life and life overflowing. And then he says in verse 21, and then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And verse 22, look at this. And then he said, and, and, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The Greek word, yeah, for breath is the word pneuma. 
The Greek word for, for spirit is pneuma in Strong's 4151. It says, it talks about which is a similar meaning to the word ruach. Pneuma in the Greek, ruach in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Same meaning, pneuma, to breathe, to blow, probably denotes the wind, the breath, the spirit, which like the wind is invisible, immaterial, and powerful. See, what was Jesus doing in John chapter 20? He was taking us all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 in saying that man was created to do life through the breath of God. And what did Jesus do? He gave up his breath so that we could receive it. John chapter 20, going all the way back to I want to give you life and life overflowing, but overflowing life happens when you have the breath, the presence of God in your life. And Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, the life. I had to make the way for you to be forgiven and restored to the breath, the spirit of God, the, the pneuma, the ruach will come back into your life. He, Jewish scholars will tell you that this passage in John chapter 20 in Genesis Chapter 2 is actually prophesied in Ezekiel 37. Jesus was pointing to a prophecy that Ezekiel had. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 37. He's in a valley. There's dry bones lying all around. And, and he asked me, Ezekiel says, And the Lord asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Speak to these bones my words. Repeat what I'm telling you. Tell the bones what I'm about to tell you. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Listen to this. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Jesus said, I came to give you life, life overflowing. See, it's the breath of God, the Ruach, the Pneuma, the Holy Spirit, that we, we could never have in our life if Jesus didn't give his life. See, he paid the price that we'd be forgiven, righteous, that we could become his temple, that he could put his breath in us. Today, we're gonna take a moment to worship. I'm gonna open up the altars. The prayer team's gonna be on the sides if you need prayer. This week, as I was praying and studying for this message, the Lord said that there's dry bones at Mountain Park. There's some of you today that you're, you're dry bones and you need a breath of God. You know, what I love about Jesus is Jesus taught, but Jesus also touched. 
There's some of you today that need a touch of God. See, religion won't save you. Being good enough won't save you. Trying harder won't save you. Only Jesus saves you. But he wants to give you life. Life in your marriage. Maybe today your marriage is dry bones. Maybe as a single, you dry bones. Maybe you've given up. Maybe today you don't even know who Jesus is. See, he wants to give you life. But you've got to let his breath come into your heart. The scripture says God takes out the heart of stone. He puts in a heart of flesh. We're going to worship in this moment and you can stand. You can be seated. You can come up for prayer. You can come up and worship. There's something in your life that you're holding on to that you know God is saying, let it go. Take a step of faith and put it at the altar today. God, I'm coming to put something in my life that I need to lay down. The Bible says if you lose your life, you will gain it. What does that mean? Losing your life means, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you today. He said, dry bones, I'm going to breathe into you and you will live again. Some of you today, it's time to live again. You need the breath. So let's take this moment to worship him. Let's not be in a rush. This is time for God to speak to us. He wants to speak to you. Again, the altars are open. Prayer team will be coming up. Today, put some things at the altar. Let's find life. Let's worship together.